0: Saturday Buckeye Talk, Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, winding up the NFL Combine. Last day of interviews with players this Saturday morning. Workouts continue for a couple more days. Nathan, you spoke with Tyreek Smith and Haskell Garrett on Friday, and we'll talk about that. The interviews Saturday morning, defensive backs and kickers, so nobody from Ohio State. But I did talk to Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, and Brian Cook from the Cincinnati defensive backfield about Perry Eliano, the new Ohio State safeties coach who was the, sit, the cornerbacks coach for Cincinnati the last two years. And it was just a reminder, Nathan, and we'll talk a little bit about Garrett and Smith, what they said. We'll talk a little bit about the workouts for Nicholas petit Frere and Thayer Munford on Friday night, how they went. But starting with Eliano, it's a reminder, Nathan, that, yes, he's going from Cincinnati to Ohio State, and that's a step up. He's getting paid more. Ohio state's obviously a bigger, more successful traditionally program, but Perry Eliano coached the best cornerbacks room in America last year. And that's the guy that Ohio state hired. They hired him to be their safeties coach, but sauce Gardner is going to be like a top 15 or top 10 pick. Kobe Bryant's probably going to be a day two pick. And Perry Eliano was the guy in the room with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ohio state doesn't have three DBs at the, scouting combine this year it probably isn't going to have them there next year. That's, I think it's, you know, that's a rarity that you get three guys in, in one group to go through the combine together. And he, you know, I know he's only been there for a couple of years, but you have to give him credit for helping, you know, elevate that room to the level it's at, or I guess, I guess we don't have to give him that credit, but they do. It sounds like you talk to those guys and they do give him credit for, why they're there, why they're in the position that they're in to not only have had the season that they just had, but to be on this precipice of of going into the NFL now.
0: So Perry Eliano didn't recruit those guys. He wasn't right. there then, but he the, developed them. I mean, the the hashtag developed here kind of thing that Ohio State loves to do, Perry Eliano did that. And so Sauce Gardner, again, who was tremendous prospect is is no worse than the second best corner in this draft behind Derek stingley jr of lsu long did give up a, a a touchdown in coverage just great in man coverage he said that perry eliano they would just have high level discussions as you would expect in that cornerback room and and Perry Eliano would make these guys get up on the board and explain defenses and draw stuff up and know everything that was going on with the defense. And Sauce Gardner said, you know, NFL teams while I'm here are asking me to do that. And I can do that successfully because Perry Eliano made me do that in college. And he said, I, I wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for him. So there's a technical side to that. There's a developmental football side to that. But both Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner just said, like, this guy's a high energy dude. This guy's a people person. This guy relates to his players. So, again, it's just it's a reminder, Nathan, it sounds so much like what people always said about Kerry Combs, that on the one hand, he is a high energy, upbeat, great personality kind of guy. And on the other hand, he's like a teacher who develops guys and it's hard Nathan you know you're not going to get to the combine and ask anybody about their position coach and have them be like oh yeah my position coach he was kind of a jerk or he kind of sucked right that's not what they're going to say but they went a little further than they had to right and talk about Perry Eliano for Sauce Gardner top 10 pick to say like I wouldn't be able to get on the whiteboard with NFL teams the way I can without Perry Eliano, I, I still, that means something to me, Nathan.
1: Well, I think as it relates to Ohio State, it's an important quality to have too, that teaching quality, because they're installing something new. And it's not like you're installing something new right now with a with a blank slate. You've got guys here who've been doing for two, three years or more in, in one system with, with kind of one... Uh, approached things and now Jim Knowles is coming in with a, with a new way to do a defense and he's teaching it to guys like Perry Eliano too. I guess they're all having to get on obviously the same board together, but now they've got to communicate that effectively in a relatively short amount of time to this entire defense to get everything going in the right direction. I think that that teaching thing is a, a really important component. I know that sometimes uh, you know, we get so wrapped up in the the talent acquisition side of things, the recruiting side of things, which is obviously critical too. But you've got to still then be able to design a defense, implement that defense, and communicate it through the players. And um, that's going to be, I think, a crucial aspect because recruiting is future. As far as for the fall of 2022 – it's got to be the teaching side. The teaching and development side of things is what's going to decide how good this defense is.
0: Other brief thing for our Ohio State listeners here on Buckeye Talk related to Cincinnati. Kobe Bryant, who won the Thorpe Award, who's from played at Glenville, a Cleveland guy, younger brother of former Buckeye Christian Bryant. I've said many times, Christian Bryant's one of my favorite Buckeyes that I've covered here, the Bryant family one of my favorite families that I've gotten to know here. And so I asked Kobe about Christian and he said, they talk for hours on the phone every day. He said, he's the best big brother anybody could have. And Christian is so invested in what Kobe is doing. Christian was a late round pick. I think sixth or seventh round pick coming out of Ohio state had terrible injury luck at Ohio state. As we know his injury in 2013 is maybe what kept Ohio State out of the national championship game that year. Had a situation, I can't remember the, the exact thing, what it was, but he was hospitalized at one point during his career because he had an injury that was so serious. And got drafted then lower than he should have based on those injuries and didn't really stick in the NFL, but here comes Kobe. And uh, I just liked hearing that, man. Like, I just, I just liked the idea of – big brother Christian Bryant being completely invested in his younger brother. And then Kobe Bryant said, it's like, Oh, who do you admire in the NFL? It's like Marshawn Lattimore. I was like, why? Well, because they grew up in the same neighborhood in Cleveland and, and Denzel Ward. Why? Cause Denzel Ward's from Northeast Ohio and is an Ohio state guy. And Kobe is friends with someone in Denzel's family. Right. And it's that, He's, he's an honorary Buckeye. And I'm not, that's, not, that's not to take away, I think, from Cincinnati because he was a little bit of a lower-rated guy. Ohio State could have offered him. They had the Glenville pipeline. They didn't. He went to Cincinnati with Luke Fickle, became a great player. But in talking to Kobe, who, who was an, he described himself as an alpha male. He's a natural leader, which is all those things that Christian was, that Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward are examples for him, that Christian Bryan is so wrapped up in what he's doing Um honorary Buckeye for a guy who made the playoff and helped, helped turn around the Cincinnati program and did so under Luke Fickle. So uh, I think there's a lot of reasons that Ohio State fans listening can, to this uh, can go ahead and root for Kobe Bryant um, in what's going to happen next in the NFL with him.
1: Well, and I don't know if this thought had ever dawned on me before. We've talked about this, you know, the, the, the gap in defensive back recruiting that this program experienced three or four years ago. Probably not a coincidence that, this guy ends up at Cincinnati at the time with all those things that would have been going in Ohio state's favor at the same time that um, they're having that dip. And now maybe that's too direct of a a connection, but maybe it's not. I mean, even sauce Gardner coming out of Detroit. I mean, that's two guys very close by who have this huge impact in college football this year at a position of absolute critical need for Ohio state. And they were down the road to Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, we, we know that there was about for 10 years that Glenville pipeline to Ohio state, where it felt like sometimes like, Oh, would this guy have gotten an offer Jim Tressel and Ted Sr have such a good relationship, but, but sometimes it leads to guys like Christian Bryant, who aren't five-star guys who maybe don't have every box you want to check from a physical standpoint, but are great football players. And if you have that relationship built up with the coach and the program, you get a feel for that. And you know, Ohio state's chasing five stars. And we've, we've covered that, that they are just a little bit less involved with the good football player. Maybe not as physically imposing kind of player in Ohio as they were at one time. And that's not a bad thing. Listen, man, go get Jeff Okuda, go get Jeff Okuda. That's okay. But there was a time when Kobe Bryant probably would have been a Buckeye. And again, we've talked a lot about what Kerry Combs did in Detroit you know, there's probably a world where Sauce Gardner, things go a little differently, could wind up at a place like Ohio State. He he wound up at Cincinnati. He said he did have interest from Michigan State, kind of some stuff there. There was a time where I think there was some stuff with some Detroit kids and it wasn't working out great at Michigan State. So he sort of said he had good relationships at Michigan State, but really wasn't as interested. And Fickle got in there and just they, they showed Sauce Gardner a plan for how it should go and look how it went. I mean, the guys made the playoff and – is yeah. going to be a first round pick but there's a there's he's probably he also was like a three star guy. Brian and Gardner are both probably under the the high school talent threshold that Ohio State would typically look at but both from areas where the relationships have been there for the Buckeyes in the past and it's not impossible that they would have clicked on a because of a relationship because a coach told them something they could have been Buckeyes maybe and they weren't but Ohio State did the next best thing Nathan they took their coach <laughs> they didn't get sauce. They didn't get Kobe, but they got Perry Eliano. One other thing that you and I tried to do here on besides just talking to Ohio state guys, we wanted to talk to Oklahoma state defensive players. Oklahoma state has three players here at the combine, one offensive player, and then uh, linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez and safety um, Colby Harvell peel. And on Friday, you waited around for Malcolm Rodriguez, and he never came to interviews because stuff got backed up. And then here on Saturday, I waited around for Colby Harvell Peel, and he never came out. Uh, the hardest working man in show business, Dan Hope from 11 Warriors, was there with us both times. We were hoping to get a little peek, a little insight into this Jim Knowles attacking style of defense, and then we went over 2, man.
1: Yeah, Dan and I were, were sitting there kind of joking at first, and then it starts to drag on, and you're like, man, I'm getting hungry. Like, when is this guy going to show up? And um, you're, you're delaying everything. You're starting to think like, man, how many other posts could I have written while sitting here waiting for this guy to get here? And and yesterday, it, it wasn't like the guy just completely bailed. There was, uh, I at least from what the PR people told us, he wasn't the only one. There were a couple other guys who were supposed to go up for interviews, got backed up because of their medical appointments, and they were going to have to go on to other things. And they finally just called it and said, there's no reason for you guys to keep waiting. So, um, you know, just one of those unfortunate things where both of those guys were scheduled to go at the uh, kind of at the end of both days, coincidentally. And I think that probably contributed to why they didn't show up. But I, I was looking forward to getting some insight from those guys about uh, Knowles. I, I've, I've talked so far to, to one guy who used to play for Knowles at Duke. So, you know, several years in the past. Now, I wanted to get a, like a more recent um, insight into just the kind of guy he is uh, the people we have talked to there. I, I should say also, I guess we've talked to um, Tanner McAllister who, who played for Knowles. So that that's been a more recent um, opinion of him, but just the, the way that players have talked about him and he has this very gruff, you know, exterior or this very, like, I guess maybe people think of like a no nonsense personality when it comes to football, but also, just been told that there there is more to it than that. That there is more of a um, the way that he communicates. You know how much he cares about his players and stuff like that. I wanted to, to, to maybe get some more examples of that from those guys at Oklahoma State. But um, you know, so be it. Can't can't get can't get everybody. A lot of guys there. And um, if people have been following on Cleveland.com, both from the Brown side and the Ohio State side, we we talked to a, a ton of dudes this week.
0: I do think I was just I was interested in like football stuff, too, that it felt like Malcolm yeah. Rodriguez is maybe a, a decent example of what Court Williams, if he plays linebacker, could be in this defense. And I think trying to watch Colby Harvell peel on tape, I think he's like an attacking style of safety that might fit what Ronnie Hickman might be for this defense this year. So just, the, you know, we, we know Jim Knowles likes to attack. It would have been nice to talk to a couple of the guys who attacked for him, um, but that's OK. Stuff happened. I did. You know who you know who I asked a question about? On Saturday, Nathan, I asked to a player a question about this other person that I did not expect to get to ask here at the NFL Combine. I did not necessarily plan it, but then I realized I was at this guy's podium for another reason. I was like, oh, and so I asked him a question about this other guy. Guess who? Do you want to guess who it was?
1: Um, would it have been asking somebody about facing Olave or Wilson?
0: Better. I got to ask a Tate Martell question How about that. That's good. How about that? Bubba Bolden, who was a safety from Miami, played at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas and at the time when Ohio State was all over Bishop Gorman. And there was the year they were after Tate Martell. They signed Tate Martell. They were after Haskell Garrett. They signed Haskell Garrett. They were after receiver Tyjon Lindsey. And Tyjon Lindsey was originally committed to Ohio State and then decommitted and wound up at Nebraska and then wound up leaving Nebraska and going somewhere else. And they were on Bubba Bolden. And Bubba Bold was like, yeah, man, they were in my top three. So Bubba Bolden could have been a Buckeye. I wound up going to USC and then transferred to Miami. And I think profiles is like a kind of interesting safety, five-star yeah. talent, really smart. Could the Browns be interested like in round three? That's kind of one of the reasons I was talking to him. But I was like, oh, wait, he played with Tate Martell in high school. And then again in college at Miami. So I was like, hey, you know, it's one of those things. You got to ask a guy like six questions about himself. He can't just come in and be like, hey, Bubba, this is the biggest job interview of your life. What's up with Tate? You know, you got to butter him up a little bit first. So I did ask about Tate Martell. And he was like, you know, um, I just think the hype and like the outside noise and the outside pressures, like just kind of got him off track. I'll I'll write about it a little bit. I'll write about Bubba Bolden, but like it was, I wasn't going to make him go in depth, but he was like, you know, he's one of my good friends. And I just think, All the outside stuff just sort of prevented him from ever succeeding on the football field, which is what my answer, Nathan, probably would have been about Tate. We all know he did have some limitations, but also this guy was a top 100 recruit. He's a good athlete. Um, But it was just interesting to hear like Bubba Bolden, who's one of his friends. And again, he's like, I'm not going to speak for him, but I think it did get a little rough for Tate, right? Like there's, all the stuff that makes us interested in him, I think, made it a little harder for him to succeed in football. And so instead of Tate Martell being here at the Combine, Bubba Bolden's here and Tate Martell is off to his business career. But, I, you know, you can imagine how excited I was to get to ask that. Oh, I, I absolutely.
1: And, you know, you, you can argue how much of what he's talking about is self-inflicted on, on Martell's part. You can argue, um, I guess, what, what the true talent ceiling ever was going to be for him. It just seems like it, it's unfortunate that these past like three years, like ever since he left Ohio State, he just wasn't actually playing anymore. And some of that was injuries. Some of that, like legitimately this year, he was banged up in, in some different ways, came in at UNLV with, with uh, I think, an existing injury. But like there was something there. There was something there that at some level of college football – would have been fun to watch. And it's, it's too bad that it wasn't able to actually get out on the field.
0: All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk a little bit about what Haskell Garrett and Tyreek Smith said to Nathan on Friday. We'll talk about how Nicholas petit Frere and Thayer Munford fared in their uh, workouts on Friday night. And then we want to talk a little bit about sort of like the state of the combine, because it's getting a little off track and we'll do that next on Buckeye talk. All right, Nathan, let's start with your conversations. We haven't, talk to our Buckeye Talk audience about uh, what Haskell Garrett and Tyreek Smith had to say. Let's start with Tyreek, I think, has an upside. We've talked about that in, in the preview, so we don't have to redo that. We know this guy maybe has a chance to show people some things that he wasn't able to show as he battled some injuries at Ohio State. What was Tyreek's mindset sort of getting ready to uh, take part in the combine drills here?
1: You know, it, it's funny because when I talked to him during the season, and this would have been – um maybe about halfway through the year I did a feature on him and it was right after, you know, he'd come back from injury and then was, was sort of dominating for that three or four game stretch. The kind of, as we talked about on the preview and I, that he, I think he feels like he has shown that he can play in the NFL, that he is, he proved it on the field. There is film of him being the kind of guy that can help an NFL team win games. I think he knows that he needs to probably find it more consistently, but that there's a confidence there that um, even through the injuries, through some of the adversity that he went through um, that he is still that there's that his best football is definitely still ahead of him. And, and part of the reason he thinks that is because it's a guy that didn't start playing football till his junior year of high school. He's still relatively, young in his football life compared to a lot of the other guys at the combine it came to him a little bit later he was an athlete in in other ways before he he really you know became enamored with football and and gave it this kind of shot ended up at Ohio State and you know the the dominoes keep falling but there so for that reason I that might be true that that he's still kind of On an upward path as far as what he can do as a football player, just because he didn't have the same uh, foundation when when he started, although obviously he was still pretty accomplished, um, even without that when he got to
0: Ohio State. So Tyreek Smith, uh, 6'3". for his measurements as the defensive linemen go through that on Saturday, 6'3", 254 pounds uh, for Tyreek Smith. I'll double check how that compares to what he was listed at as Ohio State. What was the vibe you got from Haskell Garrett when you talked to him? You know, Haskell,
1: well, I thought, had a, a really strong interview because it's he's got a lot to answer for. He has to explain the injuries without it sounding like an excuse. He... Um, said that it was against the, in the Maryland game, which is really kind of the midpoint of the season, he, what he said, he tweaked an ankle. The, but then later he admitted that it was actually more of an ankle sprain. And it was something that just never got better all season. It was something he had to play through all year. And if you go look at his numbers, uh, you know, the Maryland game and then the Indiana game that was right after that, the numbers are still pretty good. And then things really kind of tail off. You can look at either just the raw numbers, the the stats. You can look at the, um, the, the pro football focus grades. It does seem like there was maybe a, a, a difference between the first half of his season and the second. I think his junior year was, or his, his 2021 is sorry. His 2020 season was actually a more productive season for him than his 2021. And this, ankle injury that he played through most of the season he said that going into the Michigan State game doctors had told him not to play and what I think makes that a great story is as you wrote about coming out of that game he goes to skull session with this bum ankle that they've told him not to play on says we're gonna whoop their ass and then goes out and and pops Kenneth Walker the third in the backfield on the first carry of the game and just sets the tone for what both in his words and his actions, set the tone for that game. It's 49, nothing at halftime. And now he gets to go rest the ankle because they don't need him the rest of that game. Um, But the ankle is also why he didn't play the Rose bowl or a, a, a large reason why he didn't play in the Rose bowl, which we suspected at the time that he had been playing through that. And there was because of that, because of the condition that we thought he was in, that was it, the, the that added to the risk of what happens if you play in that game and now you're not able because he is someone who does need to come to the combine and do some things and and maybe run some you know good times or put up some good numbers and 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 it, enhance his standing i think as a as a prospect so that was his reasoning for sitting out the rose bowl was that that ankle had been pushed to the point again he wasn't even supposed to be playing on it by some medical opinion um he had been pushed to the point that he had to do what was best for his family which makes complete sense
0: Haskell garrett at the Combine, six one two ninety eight At Ohio State, was listed at 6'2", So pretty close, an inch shorter. Tyreek Smith at the Combine, 6'3", 254. At Ohio State, was listed at 6'3", 265. I do think some of these guys go a little light uh, at the Combine to make themselves faster. So we'll see how that goes. Haskell, I do think Haskell compared to some of these monster defensive tackles. You know, is just not quite as big as that when we talked about that um, in the preview. So I'll be curious then, Agility drills, you know, the quickness, the, the 40 time, I think that's going to matter a little bit more for him. Uh, let's have this conversation now, though, and then we'll save Petit Frere and Munford, how they did in their drills for the very end. The combine's getting a little weird, Nathan. As I was walking back from interviews on Saturday morning, the interviews here are set up. We're in the Indiana, Indiana Convention Center. It might be the last year in Indianapolis, but it is a very convenient setup. The Indiana Convention Center is right downtown in Indianapolis. It's connected by a tunnel underground to Lucas Oil Stadium. So all the players, all the coaches, all the scouts who need to get to the stadium, they can do the interviews, both with the media and with teams in the convention center, then walk to Lucas Oil very easily. They don't have to be cold. They don't have to be out in the public. So it's a really good setup. They have um, It's just like this big cabinet's place though. So we're just in one giant like ballroom warehouse area for these individual podiums for the media interviews. And then there's just like a little draping and behind, behind where the media interviews happen, there are like stages. There's a serious XM stage. There's a CBS sports stage. I think there might be NFL network stuff. There's a lot of live radio and TV programming happening where the media does its interviews. And then right behind this draping, there's a setup where there's a lot of team, uh, website interview, like radio places, like a radio road for the team websites. And that's where the bench press is. And it's just this little, little bleacher area where coaches sit. And there's this tiny little stage where you walk up and you do your bench press there. So I was leaving the interviews on Saturday morning. And you talk to guys the day before they work out. So I'm talking to defensive backs and kickers Saturday morning and the defensive linemen that you spoke to on Friday are getting ready to do their bench press. And they're all in a line, walking up on the stage of the bench press, grabbing a microphone and saying, I choose not to do my bench press. I will do my bench press at my pro day on March 23rd. That's what Haskell Garrett and Tyreek Smith said. Their pro day is March 23rd. Like nobody bench pressed. Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon did the bench press. No, but like nobody else did it. And on Friday night, the running back drills. The run, All the running backs ran the 40 and then no running backs did the three cone drill or one of the other agility tests. And one of the issues is that the way they've done the schedule. Now, I think guys used to bench press the day before they did their drills. Now they move the schedule and you're supposed to bench press the morning of your drills. So you just have to be strong. And then do this thing that you exert yourself and they're just supposed to go do all these drills and be quick. And guys are like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it at pro day. So you have all these coaches. There's probably 60 scouts and coaches. And if they were going to do it, there'd be more, but there's guys sitting in the bleachers to watch defensive linemen get up on a stage next to a giant barbell, grab a microphone and say, I'm not doing it. And it's like, what are we doing? That this has become such a TV show that it now is no longer functioning as a workout place. Now they still get to do their interviews and those are very important, but it's like, we're all here. That's the whole point. We're all here to watch your bench press, to get the numbers. And now everyone's going to go do their individual pro days in March, which they would which they did anyway. But Nathan, I think, I think we've jumped the shark a little bit with the combine used to have a purpose. Everybody gathers. It's like one workout for everyone to be there together Then they decided to televise that. And now it's more TV show than it is workout. And so now guys aren't even doing half the stuff. Why? Why? What happened, man? Isn't this a little nuts?
1: Yeah, don't if you're an NFL perspective running back, don't you want to show that you're both strong and fast? And won't you need to do be both of
0: those things on the same day in the NFL? But obviously the agents have told them not to do it. So like right, there's some right. strategy to this of I do think I don't want to bench on the same day that I'm doing my quickness drill. So I get that. But then also somebody was suggesting I don't that I don't get that. Well, but if it's just numbers, if it's just numbers, it's just how many reps at 225 and it's what was my time. I don't know how much people factor in. I mean, of course they do, yeah. but it's like I want to run my best agility when I'm not tired from this, when that's the only thing I'm focusing on that day. And that those, the individual numbers matter to such a degree. I know somebody suggested with the running backs, again, the agility with the running backs, cutting, cutting and accelerating is a really big deal, just as much as straight line speed. But are guys training for the 40s so much? that then like they're not prepared to do the three cone drill and they're almost going to like change their bodies again in the next three weeks before their pro days where it's like, well, I just worked on the 40, worked on the 40, worked on the 40. And now that that's done, I won't run the 40 at my pro day and I'll work on my three cone drill and that kind of thing. And, And guys have been training for the 40 forever. That's nothing new where, you know, you're not training to be fast. You're training to run a fast 40, which is a different thing, right? You're training to the event, which again, seems a little, rather than it being a reflection of your actual speed, right. sometimes it's like it's like standardized tests. The standardized tests test your intelligence, I guess maybe, but it's not really the best way to do it. But if you study to the test and you get a high score, what does that really tell you? Well, it tells you something, but it doesn't tell you everything. But I think if we reach the point, Ethan, where guys aren't doing stuff, Guys aren't benching, guys aren't doing agility drills. I think maybe we reach the point where the combine has to rethink how they go about things because they're not getting the, the production out of the event the way that they want to. Yeah, I
1: mean, I don't know. But to, to me, you're, you're 40 time in a vacuum. I guess it's all relative to everybody else who's there. But I'm, I'm, I most want to know what you run when you are a little bit tired. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because I'm going to need you to do that on an NFL Sunday. It's, But I understand that it, it is all about just maybe having a baseline that you get to test everybody against. Um, I, I think this just is one of those things. I, I feel the same way about this in some ways that I feel about, okay, Ohio State doesn't put out its own depth chart. So then we fill the void and put out a depth chart, and we get to inform people. And analogous to that, okay, so um, this is how the, the – the combine is structured. So the NFL teams that maybe have a more nuanced way of evaluating talent will probably come out ahead. That if you're just going too much on these more sanitized numbers and these numbers that the players and agents are sort of manipulating to get them in the most like ideal circumstances that are most favorable to them, and you're putting too much on those as opposed to either Things you've seen on tape, or just more sophisticated ways of measuring their their athleticism, their physicality, whatever, then you're probably making a mistake. And the the teams that are the best at that evaluation are maybe even going to be they, maybe they're looking at this and saying we're look we're fine with this because we have our own methodology that doesn't overemphasize these things, and we think we can come out ahead.
0: It is just weird because the thing that I like about the combine is is Circumstances are the same. The context is the same, right? Because sometimes it's like, Oh, what's your 40 times? Like, Oh, well that place has a fast track or that place did this. Mm -hmm. And again, that can apply to the agility drills that can apply to bench press that you create a circumstance where you want your players to succeed at the highest level. And you want them to have the best testing they can have. But at the combine, it's like, everybody's doing the same thing. It's the same rack. It's the same setup. It's the same turf. It's the same temperature, right? All those things. So then you really can compare because it's not what you do. It's what you do to compare to other people. It's not just, here's my time. It's here's my time of all the 40 guys at my position who all did the same thing on the same day. It's like playing golf. Some courses are harder than others. Was it raining? Was it windy? Whatever. Just say, here's my score. Well, the score is not indicative. It's what's your score compared to everybody else? So I do think they're, I mean, they're losing that to some degree if guys aren't going to do stuff here. So I just, I wonder if there will be a reaction to it And there would be a way because, again, Nathan, if they want to make it a TV show, if they're if the guys aren't doing it, then there's nothing to show. So they're also losing some of the TV show aspect because it's such a TV show. So I think especially if it's not an Indy last year, next year, or even if it stays an Indy, but it maybe causes a reevaluation of how they do things. I I don't think they're doing it right now the best way they can do it.
1: Yeah, there were seven Ohio State players at This combine, only six were going to be doing any kind of running because Ruckert couldn't, and only one of them did any shuttle or cone. That was Garrett Wilson did the twenty yard shuttle. That's the only shuttle or cone that any of those six guys did. And the only bench that anybody did was Ruckert. Nobody else did the bench. Like I can understand when Olave didn't do the bench, that made sense to me. It's like okay. He knows that that's one of his, you know, that's not his strong suit. Upper body strength. That's not what he is. That's not why anybody would be drafting him. And unless he could do a like surprisingly good number, it makes sense for him just to not even do the bench press. But like when you've got offensive linemen and defensive linemen who also aren't doing the bench press, is there something, is there something fundamentally flawed with how they think the bench press situation is set up at the combine? And maybe that should just be communicated and fixed. So that you can have this sort of across the board comparison among everybody. Or is it because everybody just thinks benches are benches and why not go by just the, the one, the weight that you're already used to using at Ohio state. So, but then why even have the, the, why have it here? I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you that it probably, it may be time for a, a reassessment of just how they have this set up because. If, if it isn't – if you're not really doing these true comparisons, then um, why do we need to have it?
0: I do think they – I think this was the year they moved the bench to the same day as the drills. That clearly was a mistake because then the guys don't want to do it. So they've they got to at least move that back. And I think, again, time to reevaluate um, what the combine is really about. Not everything is a TV show. Everything is a podcast, but not everything is a TV show. Yeah. So maybe figure that out. All right. Last break when we come back. How did Thayer Munford and Nicholas petit Frere do on Friday with the things they did do for the drills? Next up, Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice and Nathan Baird, 614-350-3315 for the techs. This is a good thing. I mean, the combine was a good thing to be a tech subscriber for. But guess what? Spring football starts next week, starting with interviews on Tuesday with Ryan Day and some other people. And then we're going to be watching practice Tuesday morning. That's going to be a good one. Like this is – just hold on a second. If you're not a tech subscriber – Nathan, that Tuesday morning practice, we can't text while it's happening, and we don't text because we're going to be out there like at 6.30 in the morning, whatever it is. We don't wake people up with our text. 8.30? Okay. Yeah. We don't wake people up with our text, and we can't text live. But as soon as we get to 10 a.m., we have an unofficial rule. You don't really text before 10 unless it's like breaking news that you can't wait for. We're going to send a bevy of texts. They're going to be like, here's who lined up where. Here's who seemed to be first team. Here's who, oh, was there a position switch? Here's who looked, oh, here's like Nathan. That's one of the most valuable texting moments of the year, is it not, when we get to see the first practice of spring on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, it, it'll, there'll probably be a, a a glut of them right there at, at around that time just because, and, and we, the way we usually do this is I'll watch something. Steven will watch some group. Maybe you'll watch, like we, we have it kind of spread up. Uh, split up so you're getting a lot of focus from each person as to what's going on with that group so uh, you may not have to wait until 10 we may move it up a little bit because obviously everybody else is going to be there watching with us so that might be if for those of you on the west coast maybe tuesday morning um the text may come in just a smidge sooner than usual if you're one of those people who might get woken up by a text fair warning
0: Because it's one of those things, yes, people put it on Twitter, but our analysis, you know everybody analyzes things a little bit differently. We We can really be blunt with you on the text. We can tell you what's up, and you don't have to go search for it. And I know not all of you are on Twitter. So it just shows up in your phone. Boom, there it is. You're eating breakfast. Boom, hey, hey, you're at work. Hey, boom, there it is. Hey, you're whatever, taking a kid to school, or you're living your life, you're on the treadmill, whatever. Boom, right there. You don't have to go searching. So here's how you sign up. This would be a great time to do the two-week free trial, then bail on us. It's just try it. 614-350-3315. You send a text to that number. You get a link back to sign up. Very quick, very easy. You get two weeks for free. And after that, it's $3.99 a month. So even if you stick with it, you know, it's not that expensive. So this would be a good time to try it. Spring football is a very good time to be a tech subscriber, both for the interviews and both for the eyeballs we get to put on practice. Let's talk about how Petit Frere and Munford did. Nathan, this was a fast crop of offensive linemen. A lot of guys, I think, um, ran very well, broke the five flat number for offensive linemen, which is kind of a threshold that sometimes is hard to hit. I think as many as like, maybe it was like 12 guys did that, but not Munford and Petit Frere. How did, how did their 40 times stack up? So Petit Frere
1: was really excited about running the 40, among other things it sounded like. And he ended up like middle of the pack. He was at 5.14. Like you said, there were 12 guys who got in under five. He's, he's really just sort of solidly in the, the middle of the group. Uh, Munford, this was not his event. He ran a five, three, nine. It was the third slowest time among offensive linemen, which has so far made it the third slowest time of anyone running the 40 at the combine.
0: Okay. And then did they do anything else or did they just run?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, they, uh, Like I said, none of them did any of the cone drills. They did the vertical um, and the broad jump, which I thought was interesting for um, offensive linemen. Munford had, again, had one of the lower um, verticals at 22 inches, and Petit Frey wasn't that much higher at 24.5. There were guys who were getting up into the um, low 33.5. Sean Ryan, who was an offensive lineman under Justin Fry at UCLA, had had 33.5, the best uh, vertical jump at the combine. Uh, broad jump, I think they were similarly um, – they were right next to each other, 8.8 8 and 8.7. Thayer Munford beat him by an inch. Um, that was more like on the low end of the middle pack. Um, the, the, the leader there was, was 10 feet or I'm sorry, 10 inches. And then, um, a couple that were right under that. So, um, not, not great numbers for them. And like you said, they did not bench press. They plan to do that at pro day.
0: I I'm not surprised, but it's like, I did think maybe Nicholas Petit Frere was a pretty athletic dude so that he's even at like his broad jump is behind Thayer Munford. It surprised me a little bit. I thought, I thought Petit Frere might have a chance to show out here. He's fine. I do know you just go on Twitter and everybody's a draft analyst now and I'm not like making, well, making that light of that a little bit. But there are people who put a lot of time into this tape and that kind of thing. There are people who like Nicholas petit There clearly are. There are people who think like, hey, I think this is a second or third round guy who has a chance to be as good as some of these first round guys. There's a certain crap of, Crop, crop of offensive tackles in this class that are going to be top 10 guys. Evan Neal from Alabama among them. Um, he's not that. He's not that, but he is. I, th- I think it's fair to say petite fairs in the second tier of tackles. And it might be a pretty big second tier. I think I, I, th- I won't be surprised if he's not a day two selection day two is second and third round. If he would fall below that, I would be surprised by that, but he didn't like blow the testing numbers away and then Thayer Munford is just like, I almost feel like we're talking about all the things guys did do and just talking with Thayer the other day. It's like, he has so much film. It's like, what, I go, well, what are you trying to find out about me? What don't you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, is it, do you need my broad jump to figure out what kind of player I am? He's just like, a, he's just an NFL guard. He's just a rock solid football player. So I'm not surprised that, You know, his agility stuff or his speed is is on the very low end. But I don't know that that would change my opinion about Thayer Munford at all, that he was one of the slowest guys. And my opinion about Thayer Munford is I think he could be a starting guard in the NFL.
1: So I went back and looked uh, at the 2019 combine, which is last year we would have results. It looks like there were four guys, four offensive linemen at the 2019 combine who ran sub-540s. And as you said, this year there's 12. So that, again, man, that makes it seem like this was a fast track, maybe, or whatever, this year. Um, and that, that bled over even to the big guys. But So that that gives you some perspective. If, if Nicholas petit Fair had run the same number in 2019, it might have looked a little bit better. might have been closer to the top of the, the group or higher in the middle portion, whatever. I do think that may hurt him a little bit, the numbers he put up here, only because... Um, does have you know only the the two years of starting experience as opposed to some guys who might have more, and if you're banking on part if you're trying to sell teams on you being one of the more like athletic agile options, then you kind of have to then go do that right. If you if your numbers then don't stack up as among the more athletic agile options, then I think it's harder to make that case. So um, again, as we talked about before, his. I don't know how much you want to go by pro football focus, but those, he got great, great grades all season uh, for most of the season anyway, um, except for in some of those bigger games. So how is he going to then, you know, how is he explaining that in interviews and and what are teams going to maybe see from the, the really strong performances that they feel could be corrected and, and make him better at this next level?
0: So to wrap this up, I mean, I'm just trying to run through this like quickly. I would guess a year from now, We're probably looking at more like 13 or 14 Buckeyes again at the NFL Combine when you just kind of do a quick look at the roster and think about like, oh, is this guy a pro? Yeah, no, I think that guy, yep, him, he'll be here. I mean, it'll at least be double digits at the very least. And I think it might be more like the 14 they had a year ago. In the end, Nathan, just as we said in the preview, like a kind of interesting – Small little group of Buckeyes that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I asked um, Jaquan Brisker, the Penn State safety, like, hey, who's the best receiver you face in the Big Ten? And uh, he said, Jahan Dotson, which is his teammate. So then we talked about Jahan Dotson for a little bit. Jeez. Then I said, opponent. And he said, Garrett Wilson. He said, yards after catch, Garrett Wilson was tough. So again, he's not a corner, he's a safety. But that came up. And then we had a little bit of an Ohio State discussion. He's like, listen, I'm not surprised. Those Ohio State guys ran fast. Olave is there to take a top off the defense, that kind of thing. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave did what they came to do at this combine, Nathan. And they are first round picks. Then there's this crop of guys who are kind of in the middle. And I think the testing does matter for them. Will Garrett and, and Smith like test through the roof? If they do, that will matter. You know, Munford and Petit for didn't. Ruckert wasn't able to really do anything other than the bench. It's like an unusual year. We do have to acknowledge that usually Ohio State has more of a combined impact than this. And we've been j- sort of joking about here that, you know, there just always are a lot of Ohio State writers here because it's three hours away from Columbus. And there's always a combined vibe of like, hey, look, it's, you'll, you'll go to an interview and it'll be, you know, here's a, here's a guy who's going to be a top five pick. And next to him is his Ohio State player who's going to be a fourth round pick. And the size of the media crowd is equal. And it's like, well, why is that? It's like, because he's from Ohio State. And there's 10 outlets that cover Ohio State that are here. If the combine moves out of Indy, that dynamic will change. But this was not a huge Ohio State combine year. And next year will be, and last year will be. And, um, you know, we just, we did, like you said, we talked to a lot of people. You and I both wrote Brown stuff in addition to Ohio State stuff. But not quite the uh, overwhelming Buckeye vibe that you sometimes kind of get in Indy.
1: It'll be a bummer if they move it, right? Like it, it'll be a bummer if, it, and especially if it's way out on the west coast, um, because I, I, I think Indy. Obviously, I'm biased. I lived in Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis is a, a, a really good city, but I, just for a functional work experience, and not just because we only have to drive there. I think it's actually a, a really good setup. It is kind of weird that we have to make this long walk from the media room to the the interviews every time, but um, hey, it's a bunch of flabby sports riders. We need to get our steps in somewhere. So I, I think it would be it, it'll be too bad if it moves out of India. I think there's a lot of history there. I think there is a um, it, it's a sort of part of the game that every year, you know, it, it's a goal to get to Indianapolis. And I'm sure it's really more for the players a goal to get to the combine. And if you put the combine in Butte, Montana, then that's where they'll go. They, they're they fine with it. But it, it, it'll just be a, a fun tradition and a fun piece of something's kind of ingrained in the NFL that that we'll lose there. And um I, I I don't want to get on a plane. I guess that's what it's all about. I don't want to get on a plane.
0: Well they just won't I mean Cleveland.com as we said we have six of us. No, I may there's not gonna be, gonna be the six one to of get, us get on a plane. Vegas. That's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, that's true. Although if there's lucky. fourteen Ohio State players there, we're probably not gonna just have our tell our Cleveland our our, our Browns people to go do all those interviews. So
0: that's we'll true. see. It'll be curious. I've been to the Senior Bowl once, um, and it was good. I went the year Troy Smith was there, and I, and I haven't been back to it. Mary Kay Cabot Fresco's every year. That's another opportunity. Talk to NFL people. Get some one-on-ones with some of these players. Um, maybe that becomes something, Nathan. Maybe, maybe it'd be more bang for the buck for like you to go to the Senior Bowl if there's a bunch of Buckeyes there, although there's never as many Guys at the Senior Bowl as they're up to Combine and like Jackson Smith and Jigman and C.J. Stroud aren't going to be at the Senior Bowl because they're not seniors. So it's still a little weird to me that the Senior Bowl exists as it does as like the best players in college football who weren't quite good enough to go as juniors. I I, I guess it's a good showcase piece for those guys, but I don't know. Maybe Garrett Wilson will play there too.
1: You know, it it was interesting because um, Haskell Garrett was talking about uh, as he called it the Reese's senior bowl, uh, as just as having been a a huge goal of his and like a big deal. And he actually, I forgot to mention this. He got hurt down there too. He got, he had a shoulder injury while he was at the senior bowl and he played through that and was able to then go on and, and, and do some things in that game. And he said that that was important to him because it'd been such a long time goal and he needed to step up and, and sort of prove himself there. And, uh, other guys who have, you know, Tyreek Smith was there, Jeremy Ruckert was there, so guys who are are fairly, what do I say, fairly established as far as like being NFL prospects at some level, they still feel like it's a big deal to go there. You get to work with actual NFL coaching staffs and get evaluated by them, get feedback from them. So um, I think you're right that that maybe in some ways that seems to be taking on added importance as as the years go on because these guys talk about the senior bowl, not like it is some kind of sort of uh, throwaway exhibition moment or whatever. Like they, they talk about it. Like it's, it's something that is important for them and helps them be what they want to be at the next level.
0: All right. That is our NFL combine wrap up drills continue through the weekend. So you guys can still watch that on the NFL network. You can watch uh, whatever Haskell Garrett and Tyreek Smith may do on Saturday. Again, no DBs. No kickers here for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Monday, look for a basketball podcast as Stephen and I talk about what happened in Ohio State's regular season finale against Michigan and look forward to the Big Ten tournament, basketball tournament next week. Again, Nathan and I are in Indianapolis now. Stephen will be here next week for that. And then Tuesday, start of spring football. We will come to you later on Tuesday with the podcast because we're not going to drop on Tuesday morning. We have that window to watch practice at 8 Thursday, Tuesday morning. Then we to talk to Ryan Day, and a couple other coaches, late morning on Tuesday, and we will pod after that. So we will bring it to you hot and fresh on Tuesday as quickly as we can, but that means you'll have to wait for it a little bit. No bright and early Tuesday pod, but it'll get to you sometime Tuesday afternoon. Subscribe to Buckeye Talk so you don't miss anything. Reemphasize, great time to try the text if you've never done it, 614 350 and just a boatload of content from the combine still coming at cleveland.com slash OSU at cleveland.com slash Browns. Sometimes, you know, you write about Garrett Wilson, and the same story goes both places. Sometimes it only goes one of those pages, but lots of good NFL and college football content from our crew for Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Le Maurice. And that was Buckeye talk.